0: We are starting uh, our new series called 21 Days of Prayer, and I am so excited about this series. Uh, the The vision, the hope, the desire is for, for God to turn up the temperature of faith and prayer in our church, and prayer is really a way that we build our relationship with God, and um, And, and we're hoping that this series for you, no matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, we, we would see, uh, people taking steps forward in their, in their prayer life. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for you to start having a prayer life with God. And, and um, I, that's what I love about this. This is anybody. You don't, have to, you don't have to have it all figured out or be like some prayer saint. You can just start somewhere. And, uh, and we're hoping that this is a place that many people would start having a prayer life. And then if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, we're also, we're also praying that this would be a time to grow deeper in our prayer life with God, and, um, and this could be an opportunity to grab a friend, grab your husband, your wife, or grab, maybe join a group, uh, a spiritual family, and, and, and begin this journey together of prayer, Uh, because I find whenever I'm, 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 pulling people into my life and sharing my prayer life with others and it it helps me grow and so maybe that's an opportunity to do do this prayer series in community and so um this week we're actually going to be kind of just painting the simple vision of what prayer is and and what it can be in your life on a personal level and the next week we're going to actually have um we're going to have like prayer devotionals that are going to be given out to anybody who would have one. And we can actually, as a as a whole church, be going through this uh, devotional on prayer together. It's not super complex, but it helps focus us and it's got a prayer for every day of the week. I'm really excited about that. So you can be preparing yourself um, for that. We'll be handing those out next week. With that said, um, today I have, I have something real special. I'm really, I've been really excited about this. Uh, I, I have a friend named Danny Payment who agreed to come and teach on prayer today. And so, um, I, I couldn't be more excited to, to introduce you. Um, Danny, why don't you, uh, come on out? Sure. Would you guys welcome my friend, uh, Danny Payment? <laughs> Um, let me just give you a hug. I'm <laughs> so glad you're here. Um, just so you guys know, Danny's an incredible leader, has a huge heart for, um, for community transformation uh, locally, but then also globally, and she's led and partnered with organizations and led people uh, into becoming the kind of disciples that change and transform their communities, but then also go global with that heart to make disciples and transform their communities as well. So uh, I don't want to talk too much. (laughs) I'm going to hand this over, but um, one of the things I love most about her is that she has a vital relationship with the Lord, and I'm so excited she's going to be teaching from Scripture, but also from her own life. Um, so, guys, would you would you also give one more hand for my friend Danny? She starts. Thank you.
1: Well, good morning, Whitewater. How are you this morning? I am very excited to be here. This topic of prayer is my absolute thing to study in Scripture, and here's why. Um, my whole life, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about me as I get started. My whole life has been an amazing roller coaster, probably just like many of you. But the one thing that has kept me and has helped me to develop a personal one-on-one relationship with God is really this prayer. And we're going to talk about how we do that. From Scripture, Jesus was very clear. I think sometimes, um, I've been in church a long time, and what I have seen all over the world, I think sometimes with church we make prayer pretty hard. When prayer is very, very simple, and prayer is very personal between you and God. So we're going to talk about that. But before I do, my family, not everybody could be here. Some of my family is here today. So I wanted to introduce to you my family. I think I have a picture up on the screen here. This is us. This is my husband all the way on the right, obviously the one I'm holding hands with. <laughs> Good thing. We've been married 27 years, and if you knew J-Pay, his name is Jason, but they call him JP. If you knew J-Pay and myself, you would know that that is an absolute miracle that we've been married 27 years. Let's see. My oldest son is on the left. He turned 21 this weekend. Wow. Yeah. Anybody remember when your kids turned 21? Any of us that are, you know, around Mate. Oh, yes. My mother's on the front row. She remembers. Uh-huh. Got it. Yep. Got a heckler in the front row. Somebody please help me. Um, they're off on a snowboarding trip this weekend. And so dad took them out. And so that's where they are. My second oldest is 19. He is at a school called Hillsong in Sydney, Australia. So he's out doing his thing. And then this is my beautiful, spunky daughter. She's with me today. She's 12. She is absolutely a stunning young woman and also is the boss of our house. And then there's Mr. E. We call him E-Dog. Mr. Easton, he's here. He's 10. He is, they're looking at me like, what is my mom going to say? He's the kindest, very kind young man. I also like to say he's probably the smartest of our family. Uh, when you have four siblings, you have three olders, I think you've probably watched everything and you've watched what to do and most likely what not to do. And so this kid, I, I, I think he's hardly ever in trouble. So that is us. They're not able to be here, but I wanted to share that with you and let you know a little bit about us. And then my husband and I also own a company, uh, I think... Gosh, sometimes when you're a business owner, you try to forget certain things. I think that we are around six or seven years um, with our company. And then like George said, I have the privilege of being able to go all over the world and teach the peace plan, which is very, very similar to something you call the blessing vision. So with all of that said, here's why I wanted to say all that for this reason. All of these things, what most people don't realize, I have four children today. And all of these things came out of prayer. Here's why. When I was 18, I had a doctor tell me you couldn't have kids. So when you get married, at 19, I got married, you began to pray. I began to pray. My husband and I began to pray to have kids. Our children came out of prayer. If you knew us with our company and our business, I have stories. Oh my gosh, if I had time, I would tell you stories. Uh, My husband and I used to call ourselves, probably about in 2004, 2006, really financial flunkies. We couldn't even manage our own checkbooks. I mean, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Those of us that know us, it was bad. But our business came out of prayer. We uh, had a very... Amazing couple. They're 70 now in their 70s, but they decided to, we asked them if they would disciple us. I mean, how many of you know when you can't manage your checkbook and then you ask somebody who's, uh, I think at the time he was uh, almost independently wealthy to help you manage or help teach you how to do your checkbook. I don't think we knew what we were asking for. It was absolutely painful, but we did it. And after I don't know how many 10 plus years of learning that out of prayer one day, God asked us to start our business. Don't panic. Now, all of you are like, if I'm going to learn about prayer, I do not want to start a business. No, no, no. But what I want to tell you is that great things come out of your time with prayer. God knows more than you could even know what direction in life you should be going. And he wants to tell you those things. Also, when when we started doing the peace plan, um, I have done church for a very long time. But in lots of our churches, it was always within the four walls. And one day, as I was reading scripture and understanding about getting outside of our four walls, and Jesus just began to really move on my heart, I was having prayer time with God, and he began to speak to me about getting outside the four walls, and not just myself, but teaching churches all over the world how to be healthy, communities, and then together go outside the four walls and affect their local community, and then ultimately affect the ends of the earth. That came out of prayer. Now, here I am today. If you were to ask me, I would tell you, there's no way I would have thought all of these things would happen. I'll tell you what, there's no way I would have thought I had four kids. And I'll just, if I can be so bold to say this, I got pregnant three times on birth control. Only one was planned. That's how much God wanted kids in our life. So I'm telling you, these things will get uh, really stirred in you through prayer. So let me pray and let's jump into this. Father, I thank you for this morning. We thank you. You are such a great, amazing God. And I thank you that we have the ability from you to hear you, to see you, to feel you, and know you. So today, would you help us to understand your word about prayer? And today, may we grow in relationship with you like we've never known to this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you have it in your Bible or on your phone. This is Jesus talking specifically to his disciples about prayer. And I want to start with who is he talking to? Let's read this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5. He says, when you pray. Did you catch that? When you pray. This is how simple. I love the word of God. This is how simple it is. When you pray. Not when your pastor prays for you. Not when your grandma prays for you, thank goodness for those things. And those things are valid and absolutely should be happening. Not when your neighbor down the road who you think is super spiritual prays. No, no, no. The verse says when you pray. That means you and I can pray. When you pray. Don't be like those show-offs. So Jesus is also talking to people who are show-offs. Don't be like the show-offs who love to stand up and pray in the meeting places, and on the street corners, they do this just to look good. And I can assure you that they already have their reward. So he's saying, look, you pray. Not only do you pray, but don't do it like the show-off. So here's, let me give you a definition of the show-off. The religious people of that day who did prayer for status versus love and relationship, Jesus is saying, don't be like them. So let me give you the definition, because Jesus is saying, he's talking to us, we're the ones who should pray, and then let me give you the definition of what is prayer. The Hebrew Bible definition says this, I love this thought, an evolving means of interacting with God, most frequently with a spontaneous, individual, unorganized form, I love that, unorganized form of petitioning, what's a petition? Making your uh, your request known, and or thinking. It also means communing with God, sharing one's intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And here's this, my simplest definition of understanding about prayer, what prayer is, it's just simply talking to God or talking with God. As normal as it is to talk to your neighbor, that's all prayer is. Just as you're talking with your spouse or your best friend or, or your significant other, just as you're talking with them, is as normal as it is, is just talking with God and talking with him. So when do we pray? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, never stop praying. It literally says in scripture, some of us wonder, when do we pray? I used to wonder. I was not raised in church. I came to know uh, God and became a believer when I met my husband after many parties that we went to. I had no church background whatsoever. And I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't go to, um, I I didn't go with my friends to any other kind of church in town. I had no, so I didn't know that there's rituals of prayer. And in this scripture, he's talking about don't stop praying. There's not a certain time that you have to pray. Some scriptures say pray without ceasing. So pray all the time. There's no right or wrong time. If you're wondering, I tell this to people all the time, because I have, I have people that I run into all over the world that say, uh, you know, you might not be the one who's worried about having status and praying for status. I know I wasn't. I was like, don't call on me for prayer. Um, however, I always tell people, you can't mess it up. How can you mess up talking to God? Well, what if I cuss? Uh, I think God already knew you are going to do it before he saw you do it. He still loves you. What if I say the wrong thing? It's not about saying the right or wrong thing or the right or wrong time. It's about having a heart that's talking with God. And when you talk to God, you begin to develop a personal one-on-one relationship. All right. King David in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. He recommends all throughout Psalms, if you read it, he recommends praying early in the morning. Now, let me tell you why. I love this in verse 3. It says, each morning you listen to my prayer. Here's one of the benefits of praying in the morning. You give him your first part of your day. It's not a have to. Man, I realized I wanted to because I'll screw my day up. I think I know. I'm, I can be a bit of a control freak. I know there's nobody in this room that can be a bit of control freak. I even hear people say, well, you know, they're just quiet. The, no, 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 no. Even quiet ones are control freaks. They're just quiet with their control. That's all. But it'll come out somewhere, touch the right button. Why am I saying that? Because there's no right or wrong time to pray. And early in the morning, you commit to God your day. It's telling God that he's your priority, He's it. He's your number one. Even if he's not your number one yet, man, when you start your morning out, Lord, I am trying to make you my number one. Here I am this morning. You're telling him he's your priority. And then you're also asking him to orchestrate your whole day. That's the beautiful thing about the morning. Should we have a plan? Yes, the Bible is very clear. Have a plan for your day. But take that plan and submit that plan in the morning to God. It'll go way better for you. I know for those of us that have done it, they can probably tell you, just trust us. Do that. So the benefits of the morning. Let me tell you uh, some of the times when I've prayed. Um, my kids weren't always as big as they are now. Sorry, I still have a moment where I'm like, I can't believe I have a 21-year-old. It seems like yesterday uh, he was, we were trying to feed a cheeseburger to a three-month-old. <laughs> yeah, as a true story for another time. Um, but let me tell you some of the times when I would pray. When my kids were little. And every mama in here knows this. When your kids take a nap, what happens? Oh, thank God. I get a moment, right? Okay, so when my kids would nap would be the times that I would pray. Now, I know some of us mamas are like, no, no, I'm taking a nap. Yeah, great, take a nap because we need you to nap. We need you to rest. But you can also set a timer that gets you up maybe 20 minutes before you know, you know your kid's pattern before they get up and just take a moment of prayer, I also remember when I was uh, married but didn't have kids, and I worked in the banking industry for, I think, almost seven years. This was before uh, debit cards. I I actually was the teller that had to sell debit cards when they first came out. I don't know if we can remember that far back, but yeah, that was a nightmare, trying to get people to want to do... Can you imagine? Look at us today. We can't go anywhere without our debit cards. (laughs) And this was a season of banking where, man, nobody wanted debit cards. And so we used to have to try to sell them. Well, it was very, very crabby, cranky customers in that day. So we had a bathroom. Yes, the bank had a bathroom, and it was a single stall. I would literally, I had two breaks a day. Um, I was a believer at this point. And I would take those breaks, and I would go into that bathroom, and I would take my full break in the bathroom, and I would pray. I mean, some of the exchanges were so bad, but I would go in there with customers would be so bad. I would go in there and pray and pray for my day and pray for the office. Now, I know everybody there probably thought I was a little weird and probably thought I had stomach issues, but I was fine with that because I needed the time to pray. What am I saying? Pray everywhere. Pray anytime. Talk to God about it all. You can't mess it up. Okay, where do we pray? Verse 6, because where we pray really does matter. Here's where it gets really good. Listen to this in verse 6. When you pray, go into a room alone. Man, think about that in your notes, right? Go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private, and he will reward you. All right, now remember, Jesus is teaching us about having a one-on-one relationship with God. And let me give you the definition of alone, because he's asking something very important of us that sometimes we miss, especially in today's tech, what's the word, technological? There we go. Today we have a lot of devices that are a part of our lives. And he says, alone, having, this is the definition, having no one else present, no iPhone, no computer, no nothing, having it not present with you, go in alone. Why? Because he wants our undivided attention, no distractions, and what happens when there 's no distractions when it 's just you and God? you begin to create intimacy, and what happens when you begin to create intimacy there 's safety, and what happens when there 's safety? you begin to actually tell God all the things that he already knows that is troubling you, and even things that you didn 't know, sometimes you just start talking, and then all of a sudden it comes out, and you 're like i didn 't even know that was there and now God starts speaking back to you, and now you've got a, a, a weight off your shoulders. Think about it. Think about your, for those of us that already have a lifestyle of prayer, think about it. Do those, are we really alone? Because Jesus is saying, I want you alone. Okay, think of it like this. Why would alone matter? Okay, think of it when you're dating. When you're dating and you really want to get to know somebody, is that the moment when you're having a conversation one-on-one and you're just, you're feeling the vibe and you're talking and next thing you know, it's like, hold that thought. I don't have my, look at me, see how we're so used to having our cell phones in our pocket. You pull out the cell phone and what, your date is just consumed with Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or ding, text, ding, email. That's probably not the thing you want. You want what? An undistracted moment of communication. Or how about those of us that are married? Let's see. I actually titled it this. Um, For us married couples, we call it discovery conversations. (laughs) You ever had a discovery conversation with your spouse? Maybe one that's peaceful. Or maybe one that's not so peaceful. Either way, it's a discovery conversation. In that moment, that's probably not the time that you want them to pull out their cell phone and check something, a text or an email. It's no different with God when he's saying, go in alone. Go into a room alone and close the door. Here's a couple of daily places just to give you some ideas that I've created in my life over the years. One, my house. So in my house, I have a chair in a corner. And, and then my kids know, like, they can sit in it. I'm not that big of a, a crazy. Um, but it's the chair. I've got creative books all around me. It's, I've got, it's the place where in the morning, with my cool little lamp, that's where I'm sitting. And that's where I'm talking to God, reading the Word, or maybe even playing some worship music. And really having my own moment of church, just like you would here. I'm, I'm having it at home in my chair. I also, in my car... Hey, nowadays, those of us, we are traveling so much in our cars. I don't know about you, but I'm driving my kids, the two younger ones, back and forth between sports and school and then to the airport and all these things. I have great times of conversation in my car. And then the other place I put in here is my closet. And literally, okay, every mom in this room knows this. You have to have a place because the bathroom ain't it. Because, you know, you got fingers sticking underneath the door. Mom, 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 mom. You know that happens those of you are laughing, you know it. Okay, but then you have a closet. I have a closet. And man, that closet, I can I can go in it. I can lock my door and I am in my closet. And everybody knows if I'm in my closet, just leave mom alone for a little bit. She's praying. And then have creative places for prayer. My husband and I love to hike. We are huge hikers. We hike anywhere that we go. I should have brought some pictures and showed you guys some miraculous places. We hiked Blue Mountains in Australia. It's called the Grand Canyon of Australia. I thought, mm, whatever, I've been to the Grand Canyon. No, there's only one Grand Canyon. Oh no, it was, it was massive, like the Grand Canyon. It was beautiful. But go to creative places. For us, it's hiking. You know, when we made the decision to start our company, it was such a big deal. We felt like such failures. We didn't manage our money. Even though we were managing our money now, the thought of doing a business was just, whoa, so overwhelming. Another level of management. But you know what we decided to do? We went hiking. We went to Mount Rainier. I don't know what side of the mountain we were on. We, didn't, we weren't at the summit. Uh, that's not for me. That's for my husband and his friend. I'm not summoning anything. Um, But we went for a hike. And on that hike, we talked all about business and what the pros and cons were and should we do it. And this is what we feel like God's saying. And then we prayed on the mountain. Hey, I want to challenge you to get on top of a mountain and start setting some goals while you're standing on top of that mountain. I guarantee it'll be very difficult to to set very small goals when you're looking at the massiveness of God's creation and what he's created. Well, we've made that our creative places of prayer. We went up there, and we began to pray about our business. And by the time we came down that mountain, we had decided and concluded, we're going to do this. We're going to start our business. So how creative places for prayer. Also for me, the beach. Oh, my goodness. The beach is an amazing place for prayer. And then, believe it or not, one time I was a runner. And when I was running, I would actually pray on my runs. Well, how did you do that? I don't know. I was in my 20s. that I could do that in my 20s. I can't do that now. But uh, l- literally, my point to all of this is don't limit yourself on where you think you can and can't pray. Okay? You can pray anywhere that you want. So take a moment on your notes. You've got notes with you, right? Write down a couple of places that you think you can pray. Where are some daily, pra- where, where are some daily places that you think you could pray? Just write them down. Your first thought, best thought. And while you write that down, I'm going to continue on in verse 6. Verse 6 says, Close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and he will reward you. Close the door. What happens when you close the door? When you close your front door, what do you do? When you get in your car and you close your door, what are you doing? You're shutting out the outside elements of the world. And then what happens when you shut out the outside elements? You're inside something. And this is what the Lord said to me today for all of us learning about this. When you go in and close, when you go into a room, close the door. You're shutting outside elements so that you can deal with the inside parts of you. There's so many things about us we don't even know. The Bible says you don't even know your own heart. There's so many things that we've maybe stuffed and didn't face or whatever those things are. There's so many beautiful things that have happened to us that God is saying, great, those are good things, but there's more. And when you shut the door to the outside elements, then God is saying now, great, let's deal with the inside elements. All right. And private, listen to this definition, belong to one particular person. When you're private with God, you're belonging to one particular person in that moment. You have no official public role or position. You know what that says to me? To remind ourselves that before we're business owners, before we're students, before we're a boyfriend or girlfriend, a husband or a wife, we're first God's son or daughter, Before any of those roles need to even happen in our lives, we're first, God's son or daughter. Do you know how amazing that is? That means in those moments of quiet time, those quiet places where I'm developing a one-on-one relationship with God, I cannot worry about all of those roles and those responsibilities, and I can come to God and just talk to him because I'm his daughter. You're his son. And then we can talk about all of those things. So for just a moment in your notes, write down what are some immediate distractions you would have. What things do you need to shut the outside world out? What things do you need to come into a room alone with? What are those distractions that you need to leave out? Just jot them down. And then let's talk about why do we pray. I love this. Prayer keeps us dependent on him for everything. Prayer keeps us grounded centered or anchored, whatever word you want to use. Prayer keeps us in a personal one-on-one relationship with God. John fifteen four through 5, this verse changed my life. It says this, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. That's Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. And here it is. But you cannot do anything without me. So I want you to think of prayer like this. I brought a prop today. I want you to think of prayer as an anchor. Prayer is the anchor that keeps you in a personal one-on-one relationship with God. Prayer is the thing that keeps you centered and grounded. Why? What does an anchor do for a boat? It keeps it from what? Drifting. What does prayer do? It keeps us from drifting from God. It keeps us from drifting from not having a personal relationship with him. It keeps us anchored in having a personal relationship with him. That's the beauty of prayer. That's how simplistic it is. Remember, prayer is an anchor, it's not a big, scary thing. Do not let whatever religion or whatever has lied to you about prayer or has scared you about prayer. Prayer is a beautiful thing, it is the best way to build a relationship with God. All right, how to pray. Verse 7 and 8. I love this, I think this is just hilarious. Verse 7 says, when you pray, don't talk on and on as people do who do not know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers, but don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask. I love this. Verse 7, when you pray, don't talk on and on as people who do not know God. In other words, talk to God like you know him. He wants you to talk to him like you know him. You know, when I was first starting out in prayer, I didn't know God, but I knew God was real. I, I, I was experienced, I began to experience his realness, and man, I had no previous religion telling me what I could and couldn't do, and this is how I had to do it, and the way I had, no, I just got alone with God in my car when I drive to work, and I just began to talk to him, just the raw, danny self. It's been amazing. He wants you to talk to him as if you know him. Verse 9 says this help us. In other words, he's saying this is how you should pray. Pray just like this. Our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. In other words, help us to not be casual with your name, God. Let us not forget how mighty and how holy and how amazing you are. Let's not be casual with your name. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. Now here's the thing. When you say come set up your kingdom, it simply means this, God's way of doing things. God has a way that he wants things done in heaven and on earth. And obedience, remember this, obedience is always better. Obey God's way of doing things. Well, how do I know God's way of doing things? You got a Bible? Read a Bible. You can, you can, you can get Bible online. Read your word. It'll tell you how to do things. Be in a discipleship group. People will help you. We would have never had the business we had today if we didn't have that couple help us way, way back in 2004 with our finances. What were they doing? We were in their group, and they were discipling us. It's powerful. All right. Give us, verse 11, give us our food for today. He's talking about asking God to give you your spiritual food and your natural food. Your spiritual food's your word. And then your natural food. Every time my kids and I and our family praise over our meals, we do this specifically because here's what I tell them. Father, we're thankful that you provided for us today this meal because there are people in this planet that don't have food to eat today. And I don't ever want to forget, our kids do not know lack like that. Different generations in my family know lack like that. I even know a bit of lack like that. But man, you travel the world and we'll show you lack that exists. And so in America, we're so blessed. I don't ever want my kids as blessed as they are to forget where that food came from today. Who knows what life may have to offer or it might happen. They might not have that food tomorrow. So let's thank God for that food today. And then verse 12, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let me read this to you. I think this is so important. Out of This is called the Lord's Prayer. And out of the Lord's Prayer, he talks about forgiveness at least three or four times in this passage, this word, forgive. I think when he's saying it four times in one, one little set of message, he, he's, he's trying to say something to us. So right here it says, if you forgive, I'm sorry, verse 12, forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. I want you to think of this as well forgiveness is like an anchor every time you forgive or you give forgiveness it's like an anchor that keeps you in his presence it's like an anchor that keeps you in a personal one-on-one relationship with God think about this when you're mad at somebody or they're mad at you and they haven't talked to you they haven't forgiven you what do they do you know this they separate They put distance between you and them. Every time we forgive or we're forgiven, it's like that anchor that keeps us from being separated in God's presence. That's the power of forgiveness, that is the importance. If he's mentioning it four different times in this passage, he's saying, come on, family, you need to understand how important forgiveness is, either giving it or getting it, because when we aren't forgiven or we've not given forgiveness, we want to separate ourselves from humans naturally. Well, guess what? Spiritually, we do the same thing with God. We separate ourselves from God, and forgiveness is that anchor that keeps you in his presence. And when you stay in his presence and everything is tossing you to and fro, whether it be emotions, circumstances, storms, whatever, or even successes can just whirl your life around. It's that anchor that keeps you in his presence. And when you stay in his presence, he begins to talk to you. All right, verse 13. And we're almost through here. It says, keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. I love this thought about temptation. Temptation often comes from lack within us. Oftentimes we lack certain things, whether it's from family of origin or circumstances and situations that we've put ourselves in or things have happened to us. Lack often, temptation often comes from a lack. We're we're, we're not whole people yet. But man, when you become a believer and you begin to develop a relationship through prayer, one-on-one with God, he begins to create a whole new you. But we don't even know some of those things that aren't whole. So he's saying right here in this verse, I love it. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. And let me tell you what scripture says about lack. Lack. Because, man, I remember the time my dad passed, it was a miraculous, a miraculous passing. He did not, I'm half Japanese, so he's full Japanese, and I think this is maybe about four years ago now. He, um, he didn't know the, he didn't know the Lord, he's not a believer, and on his deathbed, I had to make some incredible decisions that I could have never made From the doctors, the doctor's like, okay, here's the situation. You're going to have to make a decision. There's six of us kids, two from each set of of marriage. And uh, none of them were believers except for me. I'm right smack in the middle. And none of them would come see my dad. So I was it. And my husband at the time, our company was, get this, my dad is passing. Our company is facing possible lawsuits. It was our second year of business. I mean, it was just, it was, it was a horrific time. And I remember being in the hospital and them telling me the decisions I had to make on behalf of my dad. And a lot of it was just, it was hard decisions. My husband wasn't available. Family's not available to help me. I literally am in the hospital and I just went to prayer. And as I prayed, God was so good. As as all of these decisions and emotions are swirling around and I had a critical decision to make, in that moment... God was with me he's always with us family we just forget that he's with us and I had to stop and say God I need you I don't even know how to make this decision and the peace of God came over me like that to make the right decision and man I left that moment of prayer and I went to my dad and I led him to the Lord right there on his deathbed and it wasn't but three four days later he passed and after he passed, I re- realized this has to go with lack. I, I I remember thinking we didn't even have a funeral for him, family. I mean, my dad died very lonely. There was no friends, no family. Nobody would come see him. I mean, he, he kind of he didn't live the best life relationally. Um, but what mattered is that he knew the Lord before he left this planet. But I remember not being able to have a funeral for him and thinking. <laughs> gosh I can't even grieve my own self I'm lacking I, don't, I can't even have a funeral for my dad and my friend uh, I, I didn't even know she came to the door I opened up the door because I heard somebody and she had already driven off and I opened up the door and there's flowers on my porch and as I bend down to pick up these flowers I felt God speak to me and say you lack nothing you can have a funeral with me you lack nothing and I went back in my house in that moment, and between me and God, we had just a moment of grief, a moment of tears, my own I took a whole week off, just had my own time with, with God in prayer every single day. And here's the scripture God gave me in that season. Psalms 23:1 says this. Hang on to this when you feel like you're lacking something and you're tempted maybe to make a certain decision and you're not sure. I'm not even saying it's a, it's a bad decision. Just sometimes we have decisions to make, but we don't realize we're not addressing the lack that we feel in our lives first. Psalms 23.1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's the truth of lack When God is our shepherd, we lack nothing. That's the power of prayer with him and having a one-on-one relationship with him. He knows what you lack on the inside. And he says, you lack nothing and I'll give you what you need. You just got to spend some time with me so I can tell you. And then this, Psalms 3410 says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord, those who spend one-on-one time with him lack no good thing. Thing. I know every time I'm in God's presence, every time I'm having a one-on-one time with him and in prayer, I know that I lack no good thing. Even though I may feel like it, feelings lie, but my God does not lie. And his word says, I lack no good thing. As we close out on your notes, it talks about what are our next steps. I think about this right now, what it would be like if we all started to pray, all of us, a community of people, this church, Whitewater, and we started to pray every day. Think about it. What would our families look like? What would our community look like? I've seen this happen. I've seen community transform because a church right in the middle of their city decide to pray every day, come together and pray. And then what would our world look like? We can't fix and change everything, but you know what we can do? We can band together and pray and allow God to change everything. So here's what I want us to do on your notes. Let's make it personal this week. I love that Pastor George and Sarah are are starting this series. Let's make it personal. Let's be a part of this 21 days of prayer. And see what we, our personal relationship ends up being like. You might not even know God yet. That's okay. He knows you. I never get worried when people say, I don't know God. I'm of a different religion. Okay, cool. Cool. I was of a different religion once too. That was called the no religion. I didn't even know he existed. (laughs) But he knew me and he knows you. And what would it be like if you spent every day with him, just talking to him like he was your friend? And then number two, ask yourself, where can I pray this week? When will I pray? For those of us that have a prayer time already, how can you increase your prayer time? I'm telling you, I have have just, oh, my life has gotten richer and richer. Look at me, I'm just struggling for the words because I have learned how to pray all the time soon as I realized there was no wrong time to pray. And what distractions will I close the door to so I can be alone with God? What will I shut the door to so I can be alone with God? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you stirred our hearts to hear something new from you. I pray over every man, woman, and child in this place. Those of us that may not know you, I thank you, God, that you know us. You see them. And as they begin to talk to you, God, you will speak back and they'll begin to know you. For those of us that have known you for a long time, God, I thank you that we begin to deepen our relationship with you. Teach us how prayer is such an anchor. And if there's any parts of us on the inside that need to forgive or receive forgiveness, I thank you that you are helping us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.